2: Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll they will do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888 845 3773. That's 888 84 Jesse. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
3: This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
2: What is the way to die that you fear more than all others? Everyone has one. My question to you today is, do you have one you fear so much that it actually affects your behavior? I don't. Ju- Again, I don't just mean one you're scared of. I, I don't want to burn alive. Well, yeah, I, That's that's got to be on everybody's short list. I don't want to burn alive either. Do you take extra steps to make sure you avoid burning alive? Do you maybe avoid driving? Do you have extra smoke detectors in your house? If you have smoke detectors, do you check them more often than you should? You make sure your flammable liquids are what you whatever the case may be. I'm scared of I'm scared of a shark attack. This is probably going to be a very common one cuz I have more than one friend like this. I'm scared of a shark attack, so I won't swim in the ocean. I obviously am scared of shark attacks as any reasonable human being is. You heard BK come on the show several times. Our Air Force PJ Spec Ops dude lives in the ocean, openly admits, scared of shark attacks, thinks about about them all the time. Does it affect your behavior? You stay out of the water because of it. I'm scared of a, a drowning. Do you never swim? Do you take extra precautions with your children? Everyone takes precautions. I mean extra ones, over the top. You're the one who's got floaties on your 10-year-old son. It's undoubtable that fear of dying a certain way can affect human behavior. Whether or not you have something like that in your life, it can. And one of the things I find so fascinating about the ancient world that really differs from ours today is methods of punishment and execution. We, in a, air fingers quote, civilized Western society, we can get to that in a while, but in a civilized Western society, and look, I'm not mocking that, we're undoubtedly more advanced more kind, more tolerant, more of a Judeo-Christian society, but we as a, as a civilized Western society pride ourselves on what? On not being cruel. You advertise to the world how not cruel you are. It's in our Constitution. No cruel and unusual punishment. You have international bodies, Western bodies. Uh, let's make sure there are no human rights abuses here. Oh, what, you kept that guy in prison too long? That's human rights abuse. It's our culture. You know, your culture is what you incentivize and what you don't incentivize. Disincentivize, I guess you'd call it. It's a big word for me, Chris. Disincentivize. That's five syllables, Jack. Not to brag, it's only Thursday. But so much of the ancient world, I don't know if I want to call it most, but I probably could. So much of the ancient world did exactly the opposite. And the question is, who is right and who is wrong? When I say did the opposite, so much of the ancient world openly bragged about how horrific they are. They would have their brightest minds. You know, you have, we have our brightest minds. They go down to NASA and figure out how we can go go to Pluto. They take their smartest people and they say, come up with a new way to kill somebody that is horrifying. And not only do I want you to come up with a new way to do it, I want you to come up with a new way to do it and then make sure We send out newspapers, their version of newspapers, to everywhere in our kingdom to make sure everybody knows that we did it and it's just as bad as we thought. That was the norm. They brag about their cruelty. question is, whose way is superior? I ask this a lot as we work our way into the Persians slowly today. I ask this question a lot. Obviously, our way seems a lot kinder, right? Is it better? I don't know. And They would obviously reserve some of the worst punishments back in the day for, for who? For people who would... Violate whatever their God, you know, speak out against God, blasphemy or people who cities who would rebel and they would do things. You remember our Assyrian episode where they'd go flay people alive and put them up on the city gates and. And then the Assyrians would brag about that and they would do that. Why? So cities didn't rebel. But cities still rebelled. You and I see that. I I, I cut his tongue off and flayed him alive and sold his daughter into slavery, and you and I look at that and you think, oh, my gosh, I would never even think about rebelling. That's how you and I think, but they still rebelled, still had to deal with rebellions. I'm sure some didn't because of the fear of that. I'm sure many didn't, but eventually you're still going to get one. Which way is superior? I don't know. Now, let's go back to the ancient world. I am going to, because I've had this question several times, I'm going to criminally oversimplify the timeline of these empires. All right. So, this is way oversimplification because there's all kinds of overlap between this and that and this. But in general, We're going to leave out the Egyptians for now because they're undoubtedly the oldest. That would be Egyptians, but you can start with Egyptians. You know, Sumerians does those people. Past them, though, we're going to get to Assyrians and then Babylonians and then Persians. From Persia, we're going to get Greece. From Greece, we're going to get Rome. From Rome, we're going to get Mongols and Ottomans. And then from there, you're getting into what you would know as a more recognizable modern Europe. Now that has historians right now punching the radio with their fists because it's so criminally oversimplified, it's shocking. But that's pretty fair. And you need to understand one of the reasons I find the place so shocking, if they weren't such commie scumbags now, China was essentially big and powerful and great throughout this entire process. All those And China is so ancient. Like I said, if they weren't dirtball commie scum, I would go just spend months in China visiting old Chinese cities and old Chinese monuments and finding out about this and that. Their history is fascinating. I just simply refuse to spend my American dollars funding those scumbags. So I won't do it. You know I'm real big on this Made America stuff now. Real big on it. In general, that's the timeline. But for now, we're going to go back, back, back. And you remember the Assyrians we did? We're going to go after the Assyrians. The Assyrians are not really gone. I know I'm oversimplifying, but life is complicated. And I'm trying to make it as easy as possible because I'm stupid. We are now at an era where... There are three major powers in the Middle East, we'll call it. Near East, Middle East, Mesopotamia, whatever you want to call it. There are the Medes, there are the Lydians, and there are the Babylonians. But things are about to change.
3: Listening to the Jesse Kelly show. You're welcome.
2: You need some gold in your portfolio. You just need some gold in your portfolio. You, you see what's happening with the markets right now. And more than anything else, you see what the Fed is doing. They're printing trillions of dollars in unbacked currency. There, there are several economic theories out there. You may believe one thing or another. That's fine. But there are things that are laws in economics. A law of economics is unbacked currency will devalue said currency. That's a fact. They're playing games with this market. They're playing games with interest rates, inflation, and everything else. Get some gold. Get it from Gold Alliance. A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Go to goldalliance.com slash that's goldalliance.com slash Jesse. That can get you up to $5,000 in free gold and silver coin. Of the three powers at this time... Medes, Lydians, Babylonians, Babylonians are the most powerful. Lydians, not so much. Medes control a huge portion of land, but they're, I mean, they're powerful. They're not Babylonian powerful. They're powerful. And there's a small walled city called Anshan in this region. Anshan is really its own kingdom. They're their own people. They're just trying to get by. You got these three other powerful kingdoms, you're trying to get by. Now, if you're a small kingdom trying to get by, what you really, really want in life is you want to marry off your daughter or your son to somebody powerful. Never forget this. As an American citizen, a free American living in 2020, you. Marrying for love is a luxury, historically. Sounds ridiculous, right? Open up history books, ladies and gentlemen. People were married off for political reasons all the time. Women married men. Purely for financial security all the time. And I'm not talking about some gold digger these days. I'm talking I starve to death or I marry this gross old man type thing. The history of the world is marrying for survival. Lots of it. Not all of it. I'm not saying that. But just know you're not going to marry somebody until you find some dime who makes you laugh. Perfect. That's a luxury. Period. I'm not discouraging you from doing that. Go find yourself a hot one, fellas, who can cook. Get married. Actually, that's not true. You don't have to find one who can cook. You have to find one who's willing to cook or can order takeout. Whatever. Just make sure you have good meals. People ask me all the time because my wife couldn't cook for anything when we got married, and then she eventually learned. But I'm a simple man. I don't need, I don't need a seven-course meal. Make a great grilled cheese. Make sure I can survive. Man, that makes me crave grilled cheese now, Chris. We're going to have to get some grilled cheese sandwiches today. You don't like grilled cheese? Are you people allowed to eat grilled cheese? You're such a juvenile. It's one ingredient. One, it doesn't have to be one ingredient. You can use several kinds of cheese. You can use chipotle mayo on the bread, which I've done before. There's such a thing out there as french onion grilled cheese sandwiches. Highly highly recommend those. But that's 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 neither here nor there. You only need one ingredient when it's cheese, Chris. Cheese is the greatest thing in the world. People have asked me several times what would you do if you ever became lactose intolerant or something like that? I would just keep eating it. I don't care what happened. I don't care if I had to vomit. I don't care if there was a stomach ache. There is nothing in this world that would stop me from eating cheese. Nothing. Quit distracting me. We're we're talking about ancient Persia. Gosh. Anyway, this city Anshan has its king. King has a wife. They get together and have themselves a son. Now, this son, he ends up, because of mom and dad, getting to marry the daughter of the Median king. This is a good thing. This is a very good thing for Anshan because now you got the big boy Meads beside you. So the Anshan son marries the Median daughter. They do their thing and they have a son and his name is Cyrus. Later to be known as Cyrus the Great, one of the Blessed people in history to get a call out by name in the Bible. Talk about one of the all-time coolest notches on the belt ever. He's in the book of Isaiah. At least I know he's in the book of Isaiah. I don't know if he's in a bunch of the others, but imagine getting called out by name positively in the Bible. That's really cool. That's really cool. God's all, yeah, we need to go. He's, He's in the book. He is in the book. Cyrus is born. Cyrus begins to move on up in the world. And the Median king, remember this is Cyrus's grandfather. The Median king starts giving this young grandson of his the heavy, heavy side eye. This boy is seriously now in the, he's in the dynastic line. This boy is moving up in the world, and young Cyrus appears to be an absurdly capable, talented young man. Absurdly capable and talented. So if you're the median king and your grandson's moving on up in the world and he's really talented, you decide you're going to take him under your wing and show him how to be a good king. And Nope. You're like, no, I'm going to kill him. I think we need to go ahead and have him murdered. The median King takes one of his trusted advisors, generals, whatever you want to call him, and says, I need you to go down, and I need you to kill Cyrus. General says, yes, sir, will do. Mr. King packs up his stuff, rides on down to kill Cyrus. And for whatever reason, we will never understand. Obviously, they make him out to be a saint who had a change of heart. Who knows? He gets there and decides, I will not do it. I will not kill Cyrus. He actually warns everybody about it. Hey, man, the median king wants you dead. This general, this advisor, no one will ever be able to explain to me why he does this, chooses to go back to the median king. And say, ah, decided against it. You know, I know you ordered me to, but I'm not going to. The Median king then invites this general over to his house for dinner. They have a lovely dinner. After this dinner, the Median king informs the general he just ate his own son. Yes, the Median king killed Sliced up, cooked the general's own son, and then fed it to him. If you think that's going to create some animosity, you're 100% right. That puts the general firmly in the court of Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great has now moved up to the point where he feels he can give these Medes a run for their money. Because the Medes have an interesting empire, and this makes it interesting to think about how this would work today. What would have to happen in America to make you believe you have been conquered by a foreign power? It's an interesting question, right? If you get word that the Chinese have invaded a small town in Mississippi and taken it over, would you feel that America has been conquered? Of course not. No, no. Is it Washington, D.C.? If the Chinese invaded Washington, D.C. and took it over, would you feel we've been conquered? Maybe. I'm not sure. I, I would need to know more. Right? You'd need to know more. Well, how much? I, that... that did, did the president get out in time? Do we still have a government? Is it only D.C.? You'd want to know more. You see, the question gets complicated. What if they took over a whole state? What if it's a big one? What if it's California? Dirty commies landed on the shores and took over California. Well, that's a big deal, but you wouldn't consider America conquered. Okay, we got to go to war and fight those commies back, but we're not conquered. What does it mean... To be conquered. The Medes had an interesting empire set up, and in hindsight, it was a poor setup. Hang on, I'll explain. Our veterans need our support, not just when they're there. I mean, that's important, too. They need our support when they come back. When you come back from combat, you need help a lot of the time. And lots of times you feel alone. And where do you go? I know. I've done it. You go down to the liquor store. Or if you're a, a drug person, you reach for a bottle of pills or some other kind of drug out there. Our veterans are struggling with addiction. Our veterans are struggling with PTSD, and Warriors Heart Foundation, they're finding these veterans, and they're bringing them in to a private, accredited treatment program only for warriors. If you're one of these veterans who's hurting, call 866-950-0636. The rest of us, we need to give. Go to... Warriorsheart.com slash the first. That's Warriorsheart.com slash the first. The Meads had an interesting setup. Their empire was vast, landmass-wise, but they didn't really have very many huge population centers. They really only had one central brain of power. Cyrus figures this out, storms in there with an army, and conquers the Medes by conquering one city. (laughs) One city. He brings the whole place crashing down. Dude must have been a genius. Then he sets his eyes... On the Lydians, the Lydians were powerful, but by this point, you'd probably bet on Cyrus if you were a betting man. Cyrus checks out the Lydians. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take them too, and he takes them too. Okay, now we're working on a serious empire here from the tiny town of Anshan. Cyrus finally looks at the Babylonians. Here's something you need to know or remember about the Babylonians. We talked about them before. Babylon itself was revered by everyone in the ancient world. Even people who were fighting the Babylonians and hated the Babylonians thought the city of Babylon was the greatest thing since sliced bread. People who came long after the Babylonians, the Greeks and the Romans, talked about Babylon. Babylon doesn't get the best press in the Bible. I'm guessing it was probably a pretty evil place, very evil place. I know they worshipped Marduk, and we're going to get to that in a moment. So I'm sure God probably had a little bit of a problem with routine child sacrifice. But, you know, it's generally not something the good Lord looks down upon and says, oh, that's fine. But I mean, really bad press in the Bible. The name's all over it. Remember, even the Assyrian king... When he went down and raised Babylon to the ground before it built up again, that's part of what kicked him out of power. Even the, the dirty, mean, cruel Assyrians were all, whoa, 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 that's too much. You don't, you don't do that to Babylon. What is your What's your problem? Cyrus knows this. Cyrus knows he has to kind of take Babylon as softly as humanly possible. Plus, you can't, you can't really conquer them. And I mean that as in they'd never really been great subjects of anybody. Babylonians knew they were the bomb diggity. They knew they were the envy of the world. They consider themselves to be above everybody else, their city to be above everybody else. And they did not do well under the heavy rule of someone else. But you need to take them. If you're Cyrus, what do you do? Well... You do the highly, highly intelligent thing, and you gather intelligence. You send spy after spy after spy down there, and you figure out what the situation is like inside the empire. What are the political divisions? Who's fighting against who? Who's unhappy with who? One of the most underrated things is a quick side note about Genghis Khan. Almost universally recognized as the greatest or top two or three greatest conquerors in the history of the world, which he was. And you know what you picture when you picture Genghis Khan, the Mongolian army on horseback swooping into your city, killing every man, woman, and child. So fierce, grown men would just pee themselves at the sight of them. And there's some truth to that. Genghis Khan had one of the most robust spy networks in the history of the world and routinely sent not one, several spies into an area he was even eyeing up. And then if he thought he was going to conquer that area, they weren't all just storming through town, cutting off heads, pushing people around. They're bribing people. They're exposing political intrigue figuring out where the cracks in the crevices are. We can turn this group against that group. We can flat-out turn this group onto our side if we promise them this. They say Genghis Khan conquered many a city before he ever got to the city gates. Cities broken down, weakening from within. Babylon, at this time, was severely weakening from within. Why? Well, remember we talked about Marduk, their god. Their king, the Babylonian king, didn't really care for Marduk. Didn't really care for a lot of things. Didn't really care for Babylonian tradition, is what I, the best way I can make this easy. Babylonians had several traditions. The king, while he's very, very important and all powerful, it's important to them, the king, one, love Babylon, and two, take part in these sacred ceremonies that they view as being important for their survival. Well, that's a problem when you have a king who really doesn't appear to care about you at all and is routinely absent from these ceremonies. Cyrus gets involved. Cyrus starts to really expose this king. Finally, Cyrus worms his way with his army into the city and doesn't kill every man, woman, and child, does not rape and pillage, gets to the city and calls himself a liberator and promptly goes to the temple where the festivities are supposed to take place. And says, I will take part in your festivities. Your God is a great God. Allow me to join you. And all of a sudden, the Babylonians love him. They don't call the man Cyrus the Great for nothing. And there's something else. The Jews. You may remember from your history class or maybe just your biblical class. Where are the Jews at this point in time? They're in exile in Babylon. The Babylonian king had previously gone. He was tired of these rebellious Jews. Way to go, Chris. He's tired of the rebellious Jews. He says, I've had enough of this crap. He takes them out of Judea, brings them to Babylon. This was routinely done in the ancient world. Take a people out of their homeland and break them up into your homeland, to kind of break their will to rebel. It's it's kind of a forced assimilation thing. They were brought into captivity for several generations into the Babylonian Empire. Cyrus the Great, there are arguments as to why he does this, but again, the man earned the title. Cyrus the Great rolls into Babylon, does the whole weird Marduk thing, and then looks at the Jews and says, go back home. You know, not only do you go back home, go back home and rebuild your temple that's sacred to you. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Before you go, here's some money. I'll pay for it. Go back home, rebuild your temple on me. Thanks for coming. There are arguments, endless arguments about why he did this. Most often you will hear, especially from believers, that's because that's what God wanted him to do. That's probably, I mean, undoubtedly true. But if you're going to look at it from a purely historical perspective, keep this in mind. Egypt was still something on Cyrus's radar at this time. Egypt is their own powerful kingdom. What was right in between Cyrus's kingdom and Egypt? Israel. Does not hurt to have a loyal buffer state. Hang on.
3: Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he
2: think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Your home title is a gigantic financial vulnerability for you. You see, it's easy to get stuck in an old way of thinking. I do this all the time. Where you think your home title is stuck in a bank vault somewhere. It's not. Your home title is digital now. It exists online. And since the start of all this coronavirus stuff, cybercrime is up 75%. Everybody's home. Everyone's home spending more time on the internet, putting out more private information on the internet and these cyber thieves are living high on the hog. Don't let them get a hold of your home title. If they do, they're going to forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and you are going to have to pay that loan back. Go to hometitlelock.com, register your address, see if you're already a victim. While you're there, use the code JESSE, get yourself 30 free days of protection. the thing you've got your buffer state with Israel Israel's there you have to worry about Egypt you've got a humongous empire and I mean gigantic biggest in the world now because the Medes Lydians Babylonians are all under your thumb you are Cyrus the freaking great and you can't just make yourself retire now in fairness, I have to explain. I may be the type of person who would be guilty of something like this too. But here's here's how I always view these things. And I'll make it, you know what? Let's talk about drug dealers for a minute. Cartel bosses, mafia movies. You've you've seen all the documentaries, the mob movies about the the guy who scratches his way out of a poverty stricken existence. Turns into, I mean, yeah, not really a great person, but turns into a huge drug dealer, a huge cartel leader. He now bathes in champagne and diamonds and and eats olives with Swedish bikini models. And he's he's worth a billion dollars. And you know how the story ends every single time. He won't stop and won't stop and won't stop. And boom, he ends up dying or getting arrested and losing it all. 50 years in prison, destitute. And every time, because you always know it's coming, when he's at his peak, I find myself thinking, bro, retire, walk away. I'm going to go to my own private island. I'm going to have my own private yacht. I'm going to have, you know, every 9,000 channels on cable TV. I'm going to eat A5 Wagyu steak every single night. Let the old lady go shopping whenever she wants. Pay for my kids to go through college. Walk away. However, the type of person who rises to that position is not necessarily the type of person who can just turn it off. You are what you are. You are how God made you. This is one of those moments, though. Historically, I think about this all the time, too. It's not just drug dealers. Right now, you're Cyrus the Great. They're already calling you the great. Not only have you taken over and created from nothing. Remember, this dude's from Anshan. Not only have you created the greatest empire in the world, but... The people you took over are happy about it. I mean, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not Adolf Hitler storming your way through Europe with 8,000 resistant move- resistance movements and everybody hates your guts and wants you dead. You took over Babylon and they were like, sweet, thanks, glad to have you. That is as good as life gets. And this is the moment, but it's only because we know how it ends. This is the moment I find myself, as I read through it, and I was watching a documentary on it last night, I find myself yelling at the TV, No! Don't go! But Cyrus, Cyrus wasn't done. He wasn't near done. He had plans to invade Egypt, which would have been an ordeal in itself. But first... Cyrus wanted to take care of these pesky Scythians or Scythians, depending on who you believe. Who are the Scythians? Well, think about the Mongols about 1,500 years or so before there are Mongols. Asian steppe nomads. Who created, again, the compound bow. Not a normal bow. The compound bow. Humongously powerful bow. Ferocious, warrior-like people. Who live on horseback. Remember, the Mongols put their three-year-old children on horseback. Three years old. Get on the horse, son. It's time to learn. They're all mounted... They have no homes to speak of, so this isn't the Median Empire where Cyrus can just stomp on in there and take the capital city. There is no capital city. The Scythians, they lived in wagons and tents. They say, now we don't know all this for sure because the Scythians didn't write anything down. I know that's a big shock. They say the Scythians didn't have any furniture to speak of, none. Maybe a makeshift table or something. You just laid stuff on the ground and you packed up your stuff the next day and moved along. Apparently they were humongous drunks. They had alcohol made from milk, which, I mean, had to be the absolute most disgusting thing in history. Don't ask me how they did it, Chris. I have no idea. It's nasty. The Greeks they presented wine to the Scythians scythians at some point in time and a lot of the ancient world this is this is you hear a lot even in the Bible about wine water into wine drank wine Greeks drank wine they drank wine 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 and sometimes people would use wine in its purest form to get drunk but there's another aspect to wine you need to understand about the ancient world hang on Chris and I were talking before the show about American flags and why it matters and the symbolism of all of it. And we got to talking about how I, at one point in time, I owned an American flag that was made in China. I didn't realize it when I bought it, but one day I'm flying it and I'm, I'm taking care of it and I look and it's made in China. And man, did that feel wrong? It is wrong. Atlantic flag and pole has a Phoenix telescoping flagpole kit, American engineered, with American aluminum. That matters. And, of course, because it's made in America, it's got a SEAL Team 6 guarantee, an industry-exclusive warranty. That's outstanding. Go to AtlanticFlagpole.com. That's AtlanticFlagpole.com. When you go there, don't forget to use the discount code JESSE. That gets you 10% off your flagpole, atlanticflagpole.com. The Scythians. They used wine a little differently. You see, in the ancient world, lots of the use of wine was simply as a bacteria-killing thing because the alcohol kills bacteria. Remember, this is pre-clean drinking water age. You get water, it gets you sick. They're not stupid. They know that. So they mix a little wine with the water to make sure you all don't get Montezuma's revenge. The Scythians got the wine and said, this stuff is way more fun if you just drink it straight. And they just got hammerhoused routinely. Like most of the Asian steppe people, rampant alcoholism, this killed the Mongols too. It ended up killing several of their rulers. Rampant alcoholism is one of the things that kept them back from completely taking over the entire world. The freaking drunks could never stay sober. And they did something else. Kind of weird. Hang on. The Scythians or Scythians like to get high. Really high. I guess they had a bunch of hemp, and full disclosure hemp is not weed. I don't understand the drug world fully, but hemp can still get you high, apparently. Well,. I know it can because the Scythians apparently used to take gobs of it and put like a big tent up and make a bonfire and just drop truckloads of it on there and just get high as a giraffe. Uh, Never mind, you can't say that on the air. Really high. Really, really high. The more civilized societies thought the Scythians were insane. They... Um... Shared each other's spouses. As long as you did the polite thing. And if you're with your neighbor's old lady, you had to leave your bow outside to let him know. I mean, you don't want to be rude. You had to let him know you were in there. Like I said, a very, very different people, but very ferocious in battle. They carried axes with points. They were very pointy axes, not long, thin ones. They still find skulls that are victims of Scythian wars with axe holes in their skulls. It's kind of cool. And Scythians were all about that skull life. They would, and we'll get to this in a minute, they would cut off your head, carry around your head. They created silver, well, plates and things like that, bowls out of your head. They would routinely drink out of your cleaned-out skull. And no, I don't have confirmation they actually cleaned it out all the way first. These are the kind of people who probably wouldn't. Very, very, very capable in battle. And if you want to consider this progressive, very progressive when it comes to equality, male-female equality, they would have female leaders if that's what you did. It's, It's... Let's take just a brief side note on this. Don't listen to these idiotic modern-day feminists and the way they teach things in your crappy government schools these days about how women have always been downtrodden and oppressed. (laughs) That's such a bunch of garbage. Women have been treasured throughout history and oppressed throughout history. It differs totally from society to society. So many were male-dominated. So many were male-dominated, but the females were revered. So many, there were female-dominated societies. It just totally differs. Totally differs. Just because they all didn't have crew cuts and play softball doesn't mean they weren't progressive. What, Chris? What? Make jokes on the show. Cyrus sets his eyes On the Scythians and takes off with his large, powerful Persian army and goes to war. The Scythians at this point in time do have one of those female leaders. I'm going to wrap this story pretty quickly here. Cyrus gets his hands finally on the female leader's son. And when I say finally, Cyrus is finding it very frustrating To fight these people. Why? Because just like all the other steppe people, the Mongols, the Huns, everybody else, they won't stand and fight with you until they have the advantage. They'll just take off and they'll come back and do a quick raid and hit you and take off again. And for you, this is an abomination. Why won't you stand and fight? And for them, they're all, well, why would I fight? I don't have any reason to fight. I don't have a city you can take from me. I'm extremely unconcerned about you marching your army through the middle of the wilderness. Doesn't matter to me. I'll just move down here until you're gone. But eventually Cyrus does get his hands on her son. Her son dies. She's salty about it. Cyrus the Great rides into battle. It's amazing a man that has accomplished this month much is still riding into battle with his army. This is not some dude sitting back eating grapes and being fanned by slaves. He's riding into battle with his army. And he doesn't ride back out again. And the Scythian leader finds Cyrus the Great, cuts off Cyrus the Great's head, and dips his head in a vat of wine. Just as kind of one last up yours. Sure, she probably drank it after that. Thus ends Cyrus the Great. Does not end the Persian Empire. That comes later. There was no second of Cyrus the Great. They had some capable leaders after, but nobody even close to that. But I find a lot of history interesting when I think about the news today, and this is what I mean. How we remember some people versus other people in history almost always seems to depend on the publicist. The rise of Persia, Persian is thought to be more advanced, Not these barbaric, sadistic monsters like the Assyrians. Persia's much more tolerant, right? Oh, shoot, keep your Babylon god. Hey, Jews, go back home. Here's some money for the temple. They named their opening guy Cyrus the Great. I mean, these are finally some enlightened, kind people, according to the historians who wrote about them. Why? Do you know what scaphism is? Have you heard of scaphism? Sometimes called scaphism, sometimes called the boats. The Persians invented that. You see, there was a man named Mithridates. He ended up getting himself captured by the Persians. They took Mithridates and introduced him to scaphism. There's a historical record of this, where they found themselves a swamp. You know what swamps are like? Flies, mosquitoes, bugs of all kinds. They laid Mithridates down in a small boat, a boat where he had his head sticking off the edge, his both of his hands sticking out the edge of it, and his feet sticking out the edge of it. They then took another boat, turned it upside down with those same holes cut out, and placed it on top of him, still in the swamp. They took a mixture of honey and milk and forced him to drink it. If he refused to drink it, they would prick his eyes until he drank and drank and drank this extremely sweet mixture, drank until he could not possibly drink any more. The boats, plural I guess, were tied to a rope on the shore. They would then push this boat out into the swamp and just leave him there. Oh, I should mention they did cover his face and hands and feet in the honey mixture as well. What happens to you with a stomach full of milk and honey? Eventually it's coming out. And every single day they would pull you back over to the shore. This wasn't a one-time thing. And give you another belly full of milk and a belly full of honey. If you thought it was bad... You have no idea. Hang on, missed out. Catch up. Kellyshow.com. I want a walk-in vault. I want a walk-in vault from Vault Pro, and I want it bad, I will tell you. <laughs> I sat down last night with the wife, and I just started to talk to her about why I needed a walk-in vault. Now, need may be a strong way to put it. You possibly do need it. I already have a Vault Pro safe, and I love it. Lifetime warranty, American-made. Vault Pro is veteran-owned. I love all that. So, yes, I probably have enough safes already from Vault Pro, but these walk-in vaults, you know you can customize these things. Put shelves in there, work tables, gun racks. How cool would a custom walk-in vault, a custom storm shelter be from Vault Pro? They do vault doors as well and gun safes. Go to vaultprousa.com slash Jesse. That's vaultprousa.com slash Jesse. Don't forget to use the promo code Jesse. You can get entered to win a free handgun safe. They're going to keep feeding you milk and honey every day. They're going to keep smearing it on your face and hands and feet. This is doing two things to you. It's keeping you alive because you're filling your body with nutrition. At the same time, it's evacuating your body into the boat in a swamp where the mosquitoes and flies are constantly covering over your face. Have you ever woken up with one fly on you, even one? There's a horrendous fly season in Iraq. We happened to be there for it. And it wasn't the exception. It was the rule because we didn't have any netting or anything like that. We would wake up every single morning covered in sweat. because it's scorching hot. We would wake up every morning covered in sweat with... Dozens and dozens of flies all over us. Our face, our hands, our chest, everywhere. I wasn't being tortured to death. I wasn't laying in my own poop. And I will tell you to this day, it is one of the worst experiences of my life. You wake up with flies crawling all over your lips. You never forget that again. Now imagine days of it in the sun. You can't swipe them away. You're still alive. Oh, I should mention, remember that evacuation that's happening in your body? Because it's a swamp and because of all the nasty insects in the swamp, they don't just stay on the outside of you. You can't defend yourself. You can't move. You're too weak to do anything they begin to make their way inside of you. With scaphism, you don't die from malnutrition. They've been feeding you milk and honey. You die from insects eating you alive from the inside. Mithridates, who we talked about, took 17 days to die. So again, let me ask you, why all the good press? I'm not insulting them either for scaphism. Very, very creative. I'd happily sign some child molesters up for it today. I'm not, I'm not insulting you, but again... Why are the Assyrians the bad guys and the Persians are king tolerant? Um, I need someone to explain that to me. Have you ever heard of the Tower of Ash? Oh, allow me to elaborate. How about a 75-foot-tall hollow tower filled with hot-burning ashes and surrounded on the inside by wheels? Why? Oh, we'll get to that. You are brought to the top of the tower. They then begin to turn the wheels, creating an airflow in the tower, causing a thick cloud of burning ash to swirl around inside the tower. You are then pushed off the 75-foot tower down to the bottom. Now, here's the problem with falling 75 feet. You don't die, But you do undoubtedly break things. Legs, hands, shoulders, back. You're immobilized and you're now laying in the bottom of swirling, burning ash where you suffocate on swirling, burning ash being breathed into your lungs. Persian. Now let me ask again. Why all the good press? Why are the Assyrians the bad guys and the Persians are the tolerant? Why are the Scythians the barbarians and that they drink from skulls and the Persians are the tolerant? I'll tell you why. It's all about your publicist. It's all about your publicist and you managing public relations in a way that works to your advantage at all time. Nancy Pelosi was in San Francisco. They have strict rules against opening salons, getting haircuts in San Francisco. Nancy Pelosi gets busted on camera wearing no mask inside a salon, having a favor of being done for her. The most embarrassing political scandal you can imagine, right? I mean, you violated all the rules you'd put on everyone else. So surely she's going to get up behind the microphone. Even Nancy Pelosi's going to get up and say sorry, right? And ah, here's what she said
4: I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time, and that we can set up that time. I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. And that's all I'm going to say on that.
2: That's brilliant. You can say that is dirty, and you're 100% right. You can say it's dishonest. You're 100% right. You can say she's a total scumbag for that. 100% right. You can say it's immoral. It is. They're now going after the salon owner who's getting death threats and is being forced to move her business for giving the video to Fox News, and you can say that is disgusting, tyrannical behavior. Nancy Pelosi should be in jail for that. Totally agree. Not arguing any of that. Still brilliant. That's how politics is done. That's how you manage your publicist in this day and age. Nancy Pelosi is possibly the most unlikable human being in the United States of America, and she's the Speaker of the House. Why? Because she knows what she's doing. You never apologize, ever, You always are on the offensive, always in their face. It's always your fault. Nancy Pelosi could mow down a group of school children in her car, and by the time the day was done, she would have a lawsuit against their parents for not teaching them to look both ways. That's how it's done in politics. Republicans, take notes. Stop your whimpering. Stop your cowering. Stop shrinking away every time a bunch of depressed people are being mean to me. Give it back to them at all times, even if it's 100% your fault. That's how it's done. Oh, Republican Representative Smith, I can't believe you married a hooker. You, you, You killed a hooker last night. What do you have to say about that? I think you probably killed that hooker. In fact, I think you've probably killed several. In fact, I want a congressional investigation into this reporter for why he kills hookers. It's ridiculous, right? You bet it is. It's wrong? Of course. That's how the game is played. Cyrus the Great. Yeah, have have an hour of scaphism and ask me how great Cyrus was. Those big, mean Assyrians, though. Assyrians didn't invent scaphism. Assyrians probably would have heard about scaphism and went, Oh, ew, dude, that's terrible. Really? That's a little too far. Understand this is, as the great von Clausewitz said, war is simply a continuation of politics by other means. This is a battle for what America will look like, you're going to have to fight it like they fight it, period. HomeTitleLock.com, ladies and gentlemen, go there right now. While I'm talking, go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, see if you're already a victim of home title theft. And I know what you're thinking, oh, Jesse. I, I'd know if somebody stole something. No, you wouldn't. That's the damage that gets done with home title theft. They take it, they forge your signature on it, and you have no idea. No idea. Somebody has abused you until you start getting past due notices in the mail. Wait, what? What is it? Honey, did you take out a loan? No, I didn't. And then you think it's junk mail. I've seen it time and again. You think it's junk mail. You throw it in the trash. Throw the next one in the trash. And soon you're getting an eviction notice. That's happening right now in the United States of America. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code JESSE while you're there. Get 30 free days of protection. Joining me now from The Great Blaze TV, her show is The News and Why It Matters, Sarah Gonzalez. Sarah, you've been gaining some weight recently.
1: Uh, That's not something that you say to a a woman, typically, that's me. I I have for about the past almost nine months, and i got to tell you, I'm kind of over
2: it. When is this baby coming?
1: It's he, he should be here within the next three
2: weeks, believe it or not. Oh, that's so cool. That's, that's that's that there's nothing better than that for a woman. I will say as a dude, babies get way cooler as they get older. As a kid, you have to act like you like it. And I mean, you love it, but it's not any fun at all. That's really a woman's time.
1: It, you know what, you're right, and it's hard because, I mean, you know, the newborns come out and they look like aliens, really, and you're forced to say, <laughs> oh, my baby's so cute,
2: That's and then it terrible. doesn't
1: communicate with you, and it, it's just kind of a mess until the baby gets a couple months old for the men.
2: Gosh. So I
1: fully anticipate my husband will be in the same boat as you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to work a lot. But I, I got called into the office again. <laughs> I am not I can do about it. <laughs> Sarah, probably so. the nancy pelosi thing everybody knows what i'm talking about by now and everyone's freaking out about her response and i simply argued i think her response blaming the salon owner blaming everybody else i think it's brilliant i know she's a hideous gargoyle i know that's the mm-hmm. that's a mean horrible thing to do i, I understand all that I still think it's the way politics has to be played these days and Republicans could learn from it. It's not my fault. It's your fault. I didn't murder that hooker. You probably did reporter and so did your dad and I'm going to sue you for it. I know that's gross, but uh, it's politics.
1: You know, part of me, part of me wants to agree with you. There's another part of me that's not as cynical as you are uh, at times who. I just, I want to believe that we could rise above being this immoral because you're right. It is an admirable quality to have someone who sticks to their messaging no matter what. She knows she's in the wrong. She knows she was caught. She actually goes out in a press conference where you can clearly see her hair actually looks fabulous, right? Like, they did a great job with her hair. It looks amazing <laughs> and she still has the audacity to blame these people uh, you know and force this salon owner to have to move try to you know relocate her business try to relocate her family because she's come out against her so much so you know there's part of it that's like, wow, I have to admire the dedication to your message, but it's just so immoral. Uh, But I do think that you're right. I do think that the Republicans could learn something from it for better or worse. I I can't answer that because, again, it's just that the immorality of it it makes me uncomfortable. But certainly if you're in it to win it. You got to sink to that level sometimes, unfortunately, as we've seen from Nancy Pelosi.
2: Does this actually hurt Democrats or is this just one of those side things? It's going to be gone in 24 hours and it doesn't actually move the meter. I ask because, I mean, I'm in a bubble. You're probably in somewhat of a bubble. We talk to people who agree with us for, for a living. That's what we do. So I don't like to act like I'm the middle of the road voter who can be swayed. Does that voter actually care about something like this?
1: You know, I don't think that nationally they care. I wonder if if the voter who is in Nancy Pelosi's district who has, you know, they're independent, they've been affected by all of these strict lockdowns, they are a small business owner, I do think that those people in her district may care. I don't think that it's going to move the needle nationally. I don't think that someone in Wisconsin or someone in Ohio or someone in Michigan is really going to care come November what Nancy Pelosi did in, you know, in her own district, in her own home state. But I do think that it will hit close to home uh, for the people who are having to, you know, really scrounge up their savings together to feed their families because of the stringent policies, you know, uh, set forth by California. I don't think that they're going to forget that. But, you know, again, how much that is going to affect the the outcome of the entire election, who knows?
2: You actually believe Joe Biden's going to debate. We've had this argument before, but debates are scheduled Uh. now. You got Chris Wallace hosting the first one. We got dates. We got hosts. We got everything. I have never believed he's actually going to. But, man, I'm starting to get nervous that I might be wrong for the first time ever.
1: Well, we could add that to uh, the Guinness Book of World Records, the mm. first time that Kelly had ever been wrong. Mm-hmm. But I do. I think that they're too close to back out now. I think that they would need some sort of you know, uh, urgent emergency excuse that they cannot muster up at this point. So I do think that the first debate will take place, and I think that they will reconvene after that. Um, they know that it's too late to come up with something. Let's see how he does the first debate. And if we need to pull something else out of our sleeve, uh, then we will do it. Probably what I'm anticipating is that, you know, it's going to be the same garbage that we've been hearing from the top Democrats, which is, well, Joe Biden shouldn't even, you know, dignify Donald Trump's lies with an actual debate. And I think that they'll use some twisted version of what Donald Trump said during the first debate as some sort of evidence that Joe Biden shouldn't sink to the level of actually debating the president of the United States. And then they'll see if that can, uh, can, can take any, you know, pick up any momentum and then they can go anywhere with it because certainly they want to do anything they can to prevent this guy from talking.
2: Do we hear too much from Joe Biden's wife? I, I, I mean, she's out there. She's doing more interviews than he's doing, Sarah. And, and look, I don't want to hear from the first lady that much. It's not that I'm anti first lady. I, I think they have a cool role in America to play. But you're not running for office. Why are you always doing a sit-down interview from somebody? Why? why? I want to hear from the person who's running.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And I think it, it again, uh, goes to the point that They are very scared to put Joe Biden on that national stage on the actual campaign trail where he's the one who is going out doing multiple interviews a day, uh, going out doing stump speeches every day. They know that he can't handle that. They know he doesn't have the mental capacity for that. And who do they trot out in place of him? His wife. I think that they would be much better served to at least bring out one of his advisors, one of his spokespeople. Someone who at least, you know, has that credibility when it comes to the game of politics, certainly not his wife, who they're going to ask, you know, these uh, these softball questions like, is it reasonable to ask about your your husband's cognitive decline? Well, obviously, we know how she's going to answer that question. So, I mean, this is all just to keep up optics so that it looks like Joe Biden is still, in fact, alive when we all know that that's really not the
2: case. What are you naming the kid?
1: Uh, his name is going to be Stutson, like the uh, like the oh, hat plan.
2: That's sweet. That's a, that's as Texas as it gets right there. That's awesome. That's also very American. I'm surprised.
1: Oh, oh, well, you know, I got, I'm trying to assimilate, Dusty. I can be told assimilation is key. So that's what I'm trying to do here.
3: <laughs>
2: Sarah Gonzalez, the news and why it matters. Are you still, real quick, are you still on your absurdly strict diet while you're pregnant or are you actually letting yourself eat real food?
1: I am not. I've not gone to a McDonald's drive through yet, but I oh. am actually eating some carbs. Uh, I have eaten some pizza. I have had a burger. You would be very proud of me. You know, I'm not Jesse Kelly level, but (laughs) I have allowed some splurges for me. So, but once I have this baby, it is right back to the strict diet.
2: I am so proud of you. Sarah Gonzalez, the news and why it matters on the blaze. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Stetson. That's sweet. That's a man's name right there, Chris. That's a man's name. anyway i'm trying to think what i would name another kid we wanted biblical names we that's why we went james and luke Bi- old we're going new testament chris up yours <laughs> in your stupid face <laughs> all right now did you know that the weather is also racist people When I tell you to get your kids out of government schools, I mean it. Hang on. Warriors Heart Foundation is out there doing the hard things so you and I don't have to. Don't you think we should support them? You see, they have a 40-bed, 543-acre ranch. They offer peer-to-peer residential treatment. They give Warriors options, day treatment, outpatient, sober living, They offer real solutions to our veterans who are struggling with addiction, struggling with PTSD, struggling with mild traumatic brain injury. If you're one of these veterans or a family member or a friend, if you know someone who needs help, call. Please call 866-950-0636. That's 866-950-0636. As for you and I, we have to support Warriors Heart. Go to warriorsheart.com slash the first warriorsheart.com slash the first you know what we're not even getting to the weather the weather being racist for now Because we need to talk about a genuine American hero. This man you're about to hear in this video is not sitting in his living room recording this for the internet. He went down to a city council meeting in his town where his father, as you'll hear at the end, is on the council. And this young man stands up at a recorded by record political meeting on television and goes off on one of the most epic rants I have ever heard in my life.
5: I promise I won't take up too much of your time here. My name is Andrew Christensen, uh, I live at 1212 Twin Ridge Road. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the... Excuse me, I'm trying to... Yeah. Excuse me, come on. I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long. And we know it, because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. Okay, welcome down.
2: I
0: would like to just comment here. For the record, that's my son. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
2: gosh. I love what he's naming the wings. Wet tenders or trash. (laughs) What a legend. What a legend. And the best is the dude. For the record, that's my son. You know... His dad saw him step up to the microphone and thought, Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Wait, he's done that kind of thing before to his dad? Chris, go find that other video now. Apparently, he has done something else in regards to a statue. (laughs) Chris. What? Well, never mind. I know you're looking for the video. You could. You have to learn how to do two things at once. I personally have no problem with the boneless wing. I'm. I'm more of a traditional wing man. If a boneless wing is presented to me, I'll happily eat it. But we do live, as I've discussed before, in a shame society. Any culture incentivizes certain things, disincentivizes other things. I think I think the boneless wing might be as good. But I'm more hesitant to order it if I'm in the presence of other people. I feel like it's unmanly. Boneless wings are convenient. I don't, I like the breading that's on them. Is this wrong? Am I being wrong here? But if I'm sitting down with my boys and we're having some wings, I don't mean my sons. Well, I mean them too. I don't mean my sons, but my friends, I don't want to order boneless wings because they're going to ride me into the ground. What are you a girl? And the same thing. If I'm, if I'm with my wife, if I'm with the old lady, what if she doesn't think I'm manly? What if what if she thinks less of me if I order the boneless wings and you're going to laugh and act like this is ridiculous? These thoughts go through my head. However, full disclosure, I'm just being honest here. I've ordered them by myself before. 8773774373 as to whether or not we should call them wings. I don't have a major issue with that because a wing, if you're eating a chicken wing, all it's doing is letting you know you're eating a small piece of chicken. It's not as if the wing on the chicken serves a real purpose anyway. They can't even fly useless birds. Hang on.
0: Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
2: Apparently this legend, I forget his name because I forget everyone's name. Apparently he went in front of the city council and did this before. Chris doing some quick producer work has located the audio of what he did before. Now, because we do this show live and as you know, I don't prepare. I went to community college. I don't do things ahead of time. I've not heard this clip. Chris even asked me during the break. He said, Do you want to hear this clip? I said, no. I'm gonna ride this bad boy out live with the rest of the audience. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna play this clip for you. And honestly, I kinda wanna get the kid or his dad on the air because you know there's a story there. You know they're either super close and he's doing this to give his dad crap or they're arch enemies. And I don't know which one would be more entertaining. So we are going to play for you this video. Hang on.
3: jesse kelly show this is the jesse kelly show
2: all right we have A previous city council session with this same young man. I have no idea what it's about. Something about a statue. Chris, please take it away.
4: First, I just want to say I'm truly honored to be here. Uh, To be in a city where you can have a surf session and then go to a city council meeting within the span of an hour, I think that just shows that the American dream is still very much alive. So thank you. All right, to the serious stuff. I I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. I'm a freelance journalist, and after interviewing hundreds of people, I've witnessed firsthand the ever-growing divide between Americans and families torn apart over political differences. It's in times like these we need a unifying figure we can all turn to, a beacon of headlights that can guide us down the dusty road. I was 11 years old when my first love, Ashley, betrayed me by moving to Newport Beach. I felt lost, alone, bummed. And it was in that melancholy that my dad took me to see The Fast and the Furious, where for an hour and 47 minutes, I transcended my worries because I had just met my new hero, Paul Walker. Afterwards, at Carl's Jr., I thought about what Paul taught me. I think the most inspiring thing was the fact that even after Dominic Toretto beat him in that first race, Paul still managed to bed his sister. Pretty inspiring. And another thing is the fact that he still saved Vince, even though Vince was flexing on him the entire movie and questioned his love for tuna sandwiches, um, which I think is a true testament to his character. And I just want to go off book here. You know, it wasn't just Fast and the Furious. He inspired me in a ton of other movies as well. Uh, Skulls, Meet the Deedles, Ape Below, Into the Blue, Varsity Blues, just to name a few. And that rhymes. Paul's on-screen legacy was unfortunately cut short. But that does not mean his impact on society must be cut short as well. Detroit has the RoboCop. Philly has Rocky. We need Paul Walker. That is why I'm proposing that the city erect a 12 foot tall steel statue of Paul Walker on the pier. And I'm also proposing that it be sculpted by none other than Damien Ortega, best known for his installation of White Cube 2003. Uh, The new Fast and the Furious is fast approaching. It comes out next month. And so we don't have much time. Um, So I'm just going to ask you guys straight up, how can we get started? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it is kind of cool. And it, in all seriousness, it is very cool that we live in a country where you can hijack a government meeting for a couple minutes and give some people some laughs. That's kind of cool, right? Do you think they get to do that in China? No. You end up getting your fingernails pulled out in a basement somewhere. That's pretty cool, man. Pretty stinking funny. Now, as you know, I tell you all the time about subscribing to my show because Chris podcasts the show right after the show. I tell you about subscribing to it. I mean, you can listen to it on iHeart, Google, Spotify, but subscribing on iTunes, leaving a five-star rating, and writing a review, especially about how handsome I am. It helps the show grow. It just, it's, it's, it drives management insane that you continue to talk about how handsome I am. They've asked me to stop several times and I will not. So that part makes me laugh. But it's just fun. It's funny and it's good for the show. And we pay homage to the good reviews on the show. However, we were scolded. Scolded this time, Chris. Are you ready for this? The title of this review is Barry Cobbler with no info with an exclamation point and a question. So, you know, he's upset. This is one of the best food podcasts in my catalog. (laughs) I look forward to it every morning. It's interspersed with history and political stories, which is fine, whatever, (laughs) but I get annoyed when the host doesn't detail some of the food recipes. He said he makes the best burger and gave no info. Then he went on about his wife's homemade ice cream and berry cobbler with no info and a bunch of exclamation points on this one. I need to know how strapped he is because I plan on on getting some of that cobbler and I'll get it. I'll get it. (laughs) I'm dying. Absolutely dying. You people kill me, man. You absolutely kill me! What a bunch! What a bunch of goofballs you all are! You are genuinely a bunch of goofballs. It murders me. I feel like, Chris. I feel like we have the biggest meathead audience out there, and I have no idea how that happened. Well, shut up, Chris! Don't don't point fingers at me. But it's hysterical, <laughs> and I'll get it. I'll get it. So. Apparently, I thought I've done this before on the show, given out my burger recipe. I know I've done it at least once, if not twice, but this, I guess, needs to be a regular thing, which makes sense. We continue to pick up cities. You know, we've picked up Albuquer- Albuquerque. We've picked up Charlotte. We con- The show continues to grow nationally because it's not a podcast, by the way. It's a terrestrial radio show that Chris podcasts after the fact. Apparently, I need to address the burger situation. As you know, I'm hesitant to brag on myself. I'm the oracle. I'm the shogun, but I'm very humble at the same time. You know I'm a man of few talents, but I'm honest about the talents I have. I make the greatest cheeseburgers in the world and it's something you can do if you follow this step by step process do not improve it do not adjust it i'm going to be emphatic about this throughout the show because i've had so many people they'll they'll email me pictures of it or they'll 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 send me a a thing on twitter or instagram and say hey look i made your burgers and i look and it's nothing like i just described if you want to make your burgers then you make your burgers If you're going to make something and call it my burgers, then it better be my burgers. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I am a jerk. I can't help it. What I'm about to tell you is not open for your own personal interpretation. This is not art. This is science. I have developed the... Shut up, Chris. I have developed this over... Oh, gosh. What is it? 2020 now? It's been 15, 16 years I have made this. It has advanced and developed over time. Again, when I say I take this seriously, I take my cheeseburgers very seriously. How many things have you ever done for 15 or 16 years? Some, I'm sure unless you're one of the kids that listen to the show and you're not alive for 15, 16 years. But just know this, you do anything for 15 to 16 years, you've pretty much figured out how to do it. I can't stress that point enough. Make the burgers the way I tell you to make the burgers. Clear? Savvy? Let us begin. You must go to the grocery store. Meat, obviously an important part of the burger, not the only important part of the burger. It is an important part of the burger. You need to get the fattiest ground burger humanly possible. This is not your wife's burger. This is not your, I'm really trying to lose 20 pounds burger. It is important and we'll get to why in a little while that you get the fattiest burger possible. Most of you that's going to be 8020. I'm blessed to live in Texas where I can get 7327 and that's what I buy. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Home title theft is something that could financially destroy you. I, I Picture this, because this is happening to people right now. The FBI is gravely concerned about home title theft because it's so easy for these cyber thieves. But I want you to picture this. I want you to picture walking in your house tonight, get home from work, having to sit down with the wife and kids and explain to them that they need to pack a bag because you're being evicted from your home the next day. That's not a fantasy. That's not something that's happening in a TV sitcom. That's happening in America. These cyber thieves, they're stealing home titles, forging signatures on them, taking loans out against them, and getting people evicted because you don't pay the loan back. You don't even know you took it because you didn't. Go to hometitlelock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address. See if you're already a victim. While you're there, use the code Jesse. Get 30 free day. I want you all to understand what I deal with on this show on a daily basis. Do you have any idea what Jewish producer Chris just said to me? He said, "Is the movie A Few Good Men any good?" And I said, "Yes, it's outstanding." And he said, "Oh, that's good. I'm not surprised because it has that one guy, the older guy. He's a really he's a really good actor." I said, "Are you talking about Jack Nicholson?" Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal with this level of idiocy anymore. It's like you were born and raised in Siberia with no access to electricity in the real world. That old guy, that's a legend. That's Hollywood royalty. Before Hollywood got all stupid and weird, I mean, don't get me wrong, Nicholson was very weird. But before they all were going for woke points, when actors were just insane rock stars, that was Nicholson. What's wrong with you? Gosh, back to my burger, the fattiest burger possible. You then need to make your way over to the cheese section. You need to bypass all the real cheese and walk right over to the American cheese slices. I am not anti-real cheese. I eat gobs of it of all kinds. You name it. Basically, anything beyond ricotta, I'm I'm eating it. Provolone, sharp cheddar, mozzarella, pepper jack, Colby jack. I, I like it all. Blue, I eat blue cheese. I, I eat all of it. For burger purposes, you eat American cheese on your burger. It's perfectly melted. It complements all the flavors right. American cheese on the burger. You move on from the cheese section. You move to the bun section. This is not an afterthought. I see people every time I'm in the bun section of the grocery store, I see people walk by Look, grab the first packet they find, throw it in the cart, and move along. And honestly, I'm tempted to start scolding people in the store. The bun is critical, critical for the cheeseburger, for the hot dog, for whatever. It must be fresh or it ruins the whole thing. Take the time and stick your fingers in the buns. You must finger many of the buns. You have to look for the date. Oftentimes, they'll put the freshest buns in the back, so you buy the stalest ones. So check the buns that are in the back and inconvenient. Take an extra minute or two, finger your buns, get fresh buns. Grow up, Chris. Then you make your way over to the seasoning section. Here, you need... Any general seasoning. This is the only time you can ad lib. I use several different kinds of just some general all-purpose seasoning is fine. Grab that, throw it in. You need garlic powder, not garlic salt. That is important. You need garlic powder, Learn from me. I've done this for years. When I'm being emphatic about things, it's because I've made every mistake you can make before I ruined it, before I perfected it. Garlic powder. Then you head to the hot sauce section, and here we have the star of the show. And for the thousandth time, not open to interpretation. You will buy chipotle tabasco sauce not regular Tabasco sauce not this off-brand tabasco sauce not this random chipotle sauce from here random chipotle sauce from there you will buy chipotle tabasco sauce the last guy who sent me something said jesse i made your burgers and there's just some normal hot sauce sitting there i wrote him right back heartlessly i said i don't know what you're talking about that's not my burger Chipotle Tabasco sauce, period. You take all that stuff home. Now, set all your burger out in a cookie tray or however you want to do it. Even a big bowl will work. And it's time to mix in all the ingredients. The ingredients do not go on. The ingredients go in. So you add some general seasoning. Don't stress about adding too little. You should stress a little about adding too much. You can oversalt this burger. Add general seasoning to it. Add some garlic powder to it. You can add a decent amount. You don't have to over-garlic it. Now comes time for the Chipotle Tabasco sauce. You cannot, under any circumstances... Add too much of this sauce. You drown it in Chipotle Tabasco sauce. And as soon as you say to yourself, I'm worried that might be too much. Take the bottle and put more on. And then more after that and more after that. If you're intimidated by the heat, just know that. Just know this. One, most of the heat cooks off. It's not that spicy. I'm I'm a spicy person, but I'm telling you, most of the heat cooks off. What you're left behind is that smoky Chipotle flavor, which just makes the burger. So don't worry too much about the heat. There's going to be a little spice. So if you're one of those family of a bunch of girls that can't handle a little spice, then just move along. It's a little spice, though. I genuinely mean that. A little spice. We're talking black pepper level spice. That's what I mean. It's really not bad. You mix it up. You mix it all up, and you mix it up well, really, really well. Get your fingers in there and get them dirty. Mix that burger up very well. Now, this is why I suggested cookie sheet, but depending on how many dishes you like to dirty, you really need something flat now, whether it be a cutting board or a cookie sheet or something. You need to pull out your patties and you need to mostly form them up. I don't just mean balls. You can do that if you're if you're traveling. You need to flatten them out a lot. And a great cheeseburger is not a thick cheeseburger. A great cheeseburger is flat as you can get it and thin. Make sure you buy the oversized buns. I should have pointed that out. So you need to pretty much form your patty as flat and thin. It doesn't have to be in its final form because you're going to shape it up when we drop it in the pan here in a minute. But you need to get your patties laid out. Why are you laying them all out now? Here's why. All right, you got your burger mixed. You got your patties laid out. When it comes time to cook my burger, One, you must, must use a flat top, not a grill, unless you have a flat top on the grill. You absolutely must use a flat top. Part of the reason you got the fattiest burger is not just because all the flavor is in the fat. Part of the reason you got the fattiest burger is because that burger essentially needs to cook in its own fat. Flat top. Two, don't tell me what you care about. Show me what you care about. You will make these burgers one at a time. Oh, but you don't understand, Jesse. I got the super duper grill 9,000. I can fit 80 burgers on there. Yeah, yeah, great. Which burger isn't going to get the proper amount of attention? Which burger is going to be flipped too early? Which burger is going to be flipped too late? If you're making my burgers, you're going to make them one at a time. Act like you care. Hang on. goldalliance.com. Remember that. Gold Alliance has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and what they can do for you is they can get you a gold IRA. You worked hard for that money, right? You did. And not only that, you made the sacrifices necessary to set money aside. You could have spent every dime. You chose not to. But if you have all that money you've saved in stocks and bonds, You are playing with fire at this point. Our national debt, our deficit, the way they're devaluing currency right now, 50 million unemployed people, business closures everywhere, don't lose everything you've worked hard for. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. When you do that, you can get up to $5,000 in free gold and silver coins goldalliance.com slash jesse Joining me now we will get back to my world famous burger recipe. Joining me now is the host Of the John Phillips show in KABC Los Angeles. John, everybody's mad at Nancy Pelosi. You know more about California politics than anybody I've ever talked to in my entire life. I say she is brilliant. I say how she handled this entire thing is brilliant. It's not my fault. It's the salon's fault. I was set up. Everybody's mad and screaming at her. I say she knows exactly what she's doing.
6: Yeah, well, first of all, you can always tell which politicians and which media personalities are secretly getting their hair and their makeup done under the table Mm -hmm. and which ones aren't. Mm -hmm. Because the ones that aren't all look like they fell asleep at a frat party. Mm
2: -hmm. And the ones
6: Mm -hmm. that are (laughs) look put together. And Nancy Pelosi has looked put together the entire time. I'm just surprised she wasn't getting it done at her house. Uh, where, you know, you can do it in complete privacy. I don't think she planned on any of this happening. However, I can tell you the -the behind-the-scenes line that her office is pushing with the California press corps. Uh, Even before she came out publicly and said that it was a setup, she's essentially alleging that her regular stylist was out. And it was a fill-in stylist, someone that she hadn't uh, worked with before, and that uh, somewhere in the food chain, someone who had a problem with her set her up, and then sold the footage to Fox News. Now, I doubt that happened, but that's what they're pushing in California. It shows you how realistically, how realistic they think the threat is, because she's an eighty-year-old woman. So anyone who would be, who would have the virus threat to them would fit that category she, she certainly is in that vulnerable population but time and time again you see these people who are on tv with the mask telling the rest of us that we're all going to die from the virus getting their hair done when they think no one's looking uh, that gremlin in chicago did the same thing lori lightfoot you saw the mayor of philadelphia crossing state lines to go eat indoors when he's preaching that that will kill you from the Rona uh, in his city of philadelphia Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, is threatening to turn everyone's power off if, if they have a party at their house, yet he's shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with all of the protesters. That Congressman Harley Ruda, uh, who, who praised Gavin Newsom for shutting down the California beaches, was caught that very same weekend on a private beach partying up with his friends and family. So the, the death and destruction that they're preaching, the, the fear porn that they preach, We can tell they don't believe themselves because of their own actions. So part of me says it's a good thing because if they don't actually believe it, then the day after Election Day, they might all flip and we may be able to go back to life as normal.
2: Does she get any blowback? First of all, you know what? I need to know. How did she get there? How did she she rise to Speaker of the House? I find it fascinating the most unlikable person in the United States of America is the Speaker of the House. How did she do it? I admire it.
6: She raised money. Um, Her husband, Paul Pelosi, is a banker, and she was chairwoman of the California Democratic Party before she was ever elected to Congress. And she got that job because she could raise more money than anyone else. And when she was elected to Congress, she would travel around the country calling her rich banker socialite friends from San Francisco and get them all to write checks. And then they all became indebted to her.
2: Indebted to her? How? People find this process fascinating. What do they owe her? What does she owe them? How does it, how does it work? What's the dark underbelly of it?
6: Well, if you're elected to office, you have to be a a real special kind of person to enjoy making fundraising calls. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) imagine just sitting in front of a phone with a phone book in front of you, having to call people up and and beg for money. Uh, They all hate it. So when Pelosi comes into town and makes it rain, she becomes your best friend. She takes away the worst part of your job. And and makes it look on paper like you're killing it. And so suddenly when she needs your vote, when she's running for some leadership position or she wants you to support some candidate that she's pushing, you do it because she takes the most difficult part of your job and does it for you.
2: I guess I don't understand why she would stay. Explain to me through the, walk me through the mentality of staying because she's still obviously making those fundraising calls. She's speaker of the house again. You're filthy rich. You're 9,000 years old. Why not go go just do her favorite thing and get hammer housed on a vineyard somewhere?
6: Because it's in her blood. Her dad was the mayor of Baltimore, her dad was a guy by the name of Thomas D'Alessandro. And he ran the Italian political machine in Baltimore, and he ruled with an iron fist. And he was elected to Congress at one point, went there, but really Baltimore was his world. Her brother, Thomas D'Alessandro Jr., also became mayor of Baltimore. And she was there. I think she was like an intern for JFK back in 1960. She was there when that political machine was essentially run out of their house. So politics is in her blood. Running political machines, running political parties, doing all of that is something that was the family business for her. So she's addicted to the game.
2: Do you think it would be enjoyable to be Speaker of the House? Because I have to be honest, I ran for Congress twice. You know that. I lost both times. And people ask me, oh, do you ever, do you still regret losing or something? I have a great life. Now, you couldn't pay me to go to Congress. That looks miserable. Do you think it's a fun life? God, no.
6: You got to beg people for money. Mm hmm. You have to sit on a plane. Imagine putting your keister in a middle seat and coach every single week to go up to Washington, D.C., getting stuck in you know all of these cities you're connecting in every, time, every other week when there's weather. Uh, you get there, and you have to stay there forever before you have any kind of power at all. Now that everyone has a cell phone that has an audio and video recording device on it, Anything that you say could theoretically get picked up and used against you. Anything that you do could theoretically get picked up and used against you. There's no gold watch at the end of this. There's there's no like you're there for 20 years, you're there for 30 years, everyone loves you, they throw a party when you leave. You usually leave office as some kind of unemployable pariah because you got <laughs> caught doing something. Sometimes you get in trouble for, for honesty. You get in trouble for telling the truth. So it's not even like it's just a scandal that could take you out. You just could say the, the right thing at the wrong time, and that's the end of you.
2: <sighs> not bad if you're a Democrat, though. <laughs>
6: Yeah, well, they have the media covering for them. Republicans, not so much. It's like, you know, look at the double standard. Katie Hill is this congresswoman from, from California that had to leave because she was in the purple. And there are all the pictures of her, like, doing doing someone's hair in the
2: nude. Yeah, was, I've been applying like, to be your next intern. Step,
6: step, step her. And they backed her up like she was this, this horrible victim of revenge porn. And it was like the evil people that came after her. But how long before her did almost the exact same thing happen to Republican Congressman Aaron shock? And they just all participated in the pile on like there was no, you're a victim
2: sort of of storyline for
6: him. It was just, they couldn't wait to just kick dirt on his grave.
2: Well, the shock thing though, shock shock was a weird story because he was one of those things. These guys that are tortured with themselves. I'll never understand. Shock was gay. He was in Congress when I was running for Congress, and everybody knew he was gay. Everybody talked about it. Everybody knew it was the most open secret in the world, but he was hiding it, or it wasn't one of those things he was open about till he left. And so, I've never understood politicians who do that. The more you run, the more you expose yourself. You're better off just being honest about it.
6: Yeah, and there are no secrets anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's nothing. Uh, you know, yeah. any sort of financial deal that you have that you want to keep hidden. It's going to come out because everything is memorialized electronically now. The sex stuff that's coming out, you can't keep anything. I'm,
2: I'm glad I don't live in that world. John Phillips, the John Phillips Show, KABC. Thank you, my friend.
6: Hey, thanks for having me, and I can't wait for that recipe.
2: See you, brother. The recipe continues in a moment.
3: Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly, D.C.
2: I'm not going to lie. I still, on occasion, get a little bit choked up when I sing the national anthem. There's something special about standing there, hand over your heart, next to the, your fellow Americans, and singing the national anthem as you stare up at the American flag. The flag means something. It has been a symbol of freedom for the world for a long time. You should celebrate it. You should fly one. And if you're going to fly one, why not fly one that's American engineered with American aluminum? That's Atlantic flag and pole. They're a small family business packed full of patriots, and they're offering American-made products. Get yours today. Go to AtlanticFlagPole.com. That's AtlanticFlagPole.com. Enter the discount code JESSE. That gets you 10% off your flagpole.
3: Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show.
2: The burgers are made individually, one at a time. Why do you think cafeteria food sucks? Why do you think buffet food in general is not the best quality? Why do you think wedding food sucks? Banquet food sucks? Because it's mass-produced. Because this steak's going on this time, and this steak got pulled off too early, and this steak got pulled off too late, and and oh, this one ended up sitting in the warming tray a little too long. This one came off right away. You cannot give each in each and every individual meal the attention it deserves if you're mass producing anything. The burger is important enough to be made one at a time. You. Save yours for last, not because you're a nice person, because you're a selfish person. And when you sit down to eat your burger, you're done for the night. Watch everyone else enjoy while you sit down and take your time satisfied with the work you've done. Back to the flat top. The pan, whether it be cast iron, which is preferred, or a regular frying pan will absolutely work. Or some kind of griddle for your grill, whatever. Hot. Make it hot. I have made mine on full blast before. That's a little too hot, but it needs to be hot. You're trying to caramelize all the juices to get just a little crust on the outside of the burger. Makes it. Absolutely makes it. Drop that thing in the pan. As soon as you drop it in the pan, before it cooks, take that spatula and smash it down flat. Again, flatten it out even more. If it's even starting to come apart a little, it's so flat, that's fine. Flatten it. It does not need long because it's so hot and the burger's so flat. Sizzle it up. Have your cheese ready. Flip that burger. Cheese goes on right away. I am a 2 slice man on my cheese. Full disclosure, they cook so fast, I often take a little pan cap and put it on the burger, over the top of the burger, as soon as I place the cheese on it, because the cheese needs to be melty. I cannot believe I have to explain this to people, but there are actual restaurants out there who serve cheeseburgers with an unmelted piece of cheese on it. How dare you? I don't ever root for anybody to go out of business, especially in this environment. But if your restaurant closes down and I see a picture on Yelp of a burger served with unmelted cheese on it, you know what I say to myself? Oh, I had it coming. What, Chris? It's true. It's true. Make sure the cheese is melted. Pull the burger off. Slide it onto your nice, fresh bun. Enjoy. I eat certain condiments on my burger when I'm out and about. Now I don't do lettuce and tomato; it's not a salad. But I'll have mayo on a burger, or some—shut up, Chris—or some—you know, some kind of random, you know, special sauce or something. I like that. That's fine. So let me clear, be clear: I'm not anti-condiment at all. My burgers—the one I just laid out for you are so fantastic, I don't eat them with anything on them. I throw that burger right on the bun, bun on top, give it a second to get to know, give everything a second to get to know each other, and just enjoy it. You can laugh at me and say, Oh, Shogun, you're the best, but I don't know if this is going to be any good. It's been years, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this has been independently verified several times. I make them for friends. I make them for neighbors and unprompted. In fact, the last time I made them for my neighbors across the street, they devoured them. And the uh, 16, 17 year old boy they had comes out and says, this is the best burger I've ever made in my I've ever had in my life. How do you make these? And as a graduation gift for him, I included all the ingredients in written step-by-step instructions on making my burger as a graduation gift. Not making that up. 100% true. Made it for our other friends in the neighborhood, every one of them. Best burger I've ever had in my life. It is. It will be. If you follow simple instructions, That is as simple and clear as instructions possibly get. Don't do your own thing. Trust me. I've put in the work. I'm trying to help you. I've already put in all the work, years of work. You get to swoop in now and snap up 15, 16 years of research all for your own. I'm helping. It sounds like I'm being a jerk. I'm not. Don't make your adjustments. Don't be married to whatever traditions you currently have. Ah, oh, i like to make mine on my bur- on my grill. Oh no, I like a big thick burger. On oh, no. just try my way. Try it my way one time. I've made all the mistakes. You're welcome.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre diabetes awareness partners.
2: You can catch the entire show, it's podcasted immediately after the show on Google iHeartSpotify Spotify on iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Talk about how handsome I am. Tomorrow is Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I know you guys love that. Email me your questions. Again, they don't have to be political. They can be, but they do not have to be political. Whatever you email me, I will try to get to. I give the emails first priority for the show jesse at jesse jesse at jesse we have a ton of fun on fridays on this show <laughs> it's just look the show is awesome because i mean it's about me what chris we still have to get that portrait of me in some kind of royalty we got to work on that it's important for the show what gosh that's all
3: Jesse Kelly show.
2: You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm gonna quit. It's bad for me. I'm gonna quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just gonna quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch, it didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice. I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a Jake's Mint Chew.com. That's Jake's Mint. Chew.com. Make sure you use the promo code Jesse at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off